Welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. For the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews, press one. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. In a world where action movies are constantly exploding at the box office, our heroes take on the monumental task of dissecting and analyzing all aspects of action movies to truly understand what it takes to make a great action film. Ben Bateman, Andrew Guy, in a Popcorn Talk Network exclusive, this is Action Movie Anatomy. Boom! What is up, everybody? Happy Wednesday. Welcome to Action Movie Anatomy on the Popcorn Talk Network, the network dedicated to movie discussion and all things movie-related. I'm your host, Ben Bateman, joined, as always, by my trusty, well-dressed co-host, Mr. Andrew Guy. What's up, guys? I'm happy to be here. Yeah, man. You look, here. You look a little different today. The cheekbones? Yeah, it's something, man. I don't know. I, I, I just... This side of the room feels really... Uh, feels a little cold today. Feels a little cold, huh? Maybe it's a little warm. I don't know. You'll probably start sweating Who soon. knows? Knowing you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's up, everybody? This is Action Movie Anatomy. We do this show every week on Wednesdays, and we break down and dissect action movies made after 1981. That's like our first kind of rule to the show. We have four rules that every movie we do must abide by. And those rules are the hero must always play by their own rules. The hero and villain must always be the smartest people, animals, creatures, things in the room. There must be at least one explosion. And lastly, the main character must be at least a police, medical, police, military, or political figure. Or they can work for the man or be the man. So they could be an MTA operator in the movie Taking a Pelham 123. For instance, jeez, jeez, right? <laughs> this week we're doing Face Off. John Woo, John Travolta, Nick Cage, 1997. This is awesome. A classic. Like an absolute classic. Like in the pantheon of the movies that this show is about. Like I think if we were going to come up with like the top ten when, when the show was like, when we created the show, it would yeah. be, I think Face Off has to be in that top ten. Absolutely. It's, it's up there with like The Rock and Speed, Point Break, Con Air, like... The, the sort of like just ultimate middle category that we always dissect at the end of the show. But I think Face Off's 100% on there. This movie is unbelievably entertaining. Oh, yeah. It's the best. And it's it's perfect for this show. It is the absolute definition of totally ridiculous in our movies. Yeah, I think it's so we can jump to the end of the show. Yeah, we just jump to the end <laughs> of the show. Uh, so we're going to start off today by doing the trailer, like always. It's a pretty good trailer. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty solid. It's innovative for 1997. Oh, yes, it is. Yeah, I like it. I've been uh, chasing this guy ever since I joined the force. He he has no conscience and he uh, mm. he shows no no remorse. He's can't you imagine him delivering it? You can't. Right? Mastermind behind numerous bombings and political assassinations. He'd be touching his face just as much. It's a felony list a mile long: murder, arson, kidnapping, terrorism. You name it. Terrorism. He's you, the most dangerous and, and brilliant terrorism criminal I mean. mind I've ever known. I, for years, I've, I've been watching him, tracking him, studying his every This every man move. has no I know his every, every mannerism, no facial tick gesture. I know him better than he knows himself. And now, after all this Interception. time, I finally figured out a way to ball. trap him. I will become him. We could have just opened on this song. Yeah, this song's sweet. Yeah. Director of Broken Arrow. 
Which is only the year before, by the way. Yeah. Which is sort of bizarre. That's a cable movie for me. That's a movie I don't think I've ever even watched the whole movie. Like, I think I've just seen, like... Wait, Travolta's in that movie. Huh? Why isn't it on our list? It, I don't know. Was it 95? No. No, it's 96. Huh. That's weird. I'm Gastron! Yeah, that's probably the best scene in the movie. Oh, it's so good. I don't care if I live... You're not having any fun, are you, Sean? Try terrorism for hire. We'll blow some stuff up. It's more fun. Just Cage at his absolute peak. He really is amazing in this movie. Yeah. It's like that... It's that definitive... Movie star comedy? I don't know. He's just crazy. <laughs> yeah. But it's the thing that we talk about where, like, the bad guy has to be so good. Yeah. And both of them are oh, the, so yeah. good at being the bad guy. Yeah. yeah. Like, you only get Nick Cage being him for a little bit in the beginning. Though I, it kills it. I think the first 25 minutes is the best 25 minutes of the movie. It's really... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Really good. I think from the from the, the time they until they capture him, I think that's the best part of the whole movie. Because I was thinking about all of my favorite moments, and they almost all happen in the first twenty five minutes. Yeah, I was talking to uh, our buddy Alex today about us doing Face Off, and he was yeah. like, "Ah, yeah." He, I was like, "That movie's two hours and eighteen minutes. Yeah, it's a little long." <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. I mean, I guess all you really need is is the the prison scene and the shootout at Castor Troy's, and I was like. And the boat chase. He's like, oh, yeah, and the boat chase. And I was like, what about the capturing in the beginning? He's like, oh, my God, that too. And I was like, yeah, yeah it's all it all needs to be in there. <laughs> it's all good. It's so good. Uh, all right, guys. So one of the first things that we like to do here is called Action Movie Tagline. And this is something that Andrew and I created yeah. um, because we used to – when we were kids, we'd go into movie stores. We'd walk around for, like, hours, and we'd go to the, bo- the back of every single one of these boxes and read the tagline, which would be, like, a slam-bang action thriller. Right. Right, or if it was like a '90s one, it'd be like a pulse pounding adrenaline rush. Yeah, exactly. So it was like you know the boxes would have these these taglines. Sometimes on the front they'd be a little shorter. I think on the back they'd be a little longer. Sometimes you know like an actual quote from the New York Times yeah. or something. But you know it's like something to sell you, and you'd get so excited. So yeah, we we decided to start doing our own uh, taglines on the show, and I enjoy it. Mine's not very good, so really? we'll see. Well, I'll let you go first. Oh, mine is good today. Yeah, mine's very good. All right, let's do it. Yes, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, maybe I'll go first since yours is, <laughs> yours, yours is so good. Uh, here we go. <clears throat> Have you ever wondered what it's like to be a top FBI agent that had to switch faces with the homicidal criminal mastermind that murdered your son? Us two. John Woo. John Travolta. Nick Cage. Face off. I like it. <laughs> I like it. That's good. It's good. All right. Ready for this? I'm ready, man. Slow motion won't slow down your heart rate. Oh, God, it's John already better. Wu's action-packed masterpiece. Face off with what you know about Cage and Travolta. Who knows? You might be wrong. Damn! That was good. Andrew always has better taglines than I do. It's yeah. just something about the show. That's, I'm really good at it. What can I say? You know? I, uh, that prep. was really... You used, like... You used the every, name, like, face the off. name, the entendre, like, everything. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. really good. Thank you. Like, yeah. that one time when you used Revolutionary and the Patriot was just killer. Yeah, I mean, that was just, you know, it all comes from up here. God, you're a talent. You're a talent, man. I do improv. I don't know if you know that. I have, I have a house team that I perform on Monday nights at the Westside Comedy Theater. Oh, really? Uh-huh, yeah. Oh, my God. You guys have to go check that out. It's in the Promenade, Santa Monica, and 3rd, 930, Mondays, Wednesdays. 
whatever. Yeah, we have a good time. It's not bad. All right, so uh, this next thing we like to do is called our Boulder Thesis Statement. This segment of the show is uh, it's kind of where we we decide about something in the movie that's based in, like, fact. It's definitive. It's based in hyperbole. It's not like, this is my favorite this, or uh, I really liked when he did this, or this is one of Harrison Ford's best movies. No, it's something that is definitive. Like, And, and then we use this line throughout the show, and we, we try to like back it up with points throughout the show with all of our other segments. Um, I feel pretty good about mine because I... This movie shouldn't be as good as it is. No. Like, it is reviewed so high. It, like, higher than, I would say, I'm just guessing here, but the three the three uh, Rotten Tomatoes ratings, what are all above 90, I don't know that we have another movie aside from, like, the true classics. Like, Terminator 2 is probably there. Gladiator is probably there. Probably. But honestly, I think one of them is lower yeah. than Gladiator. I don't know how this movie's in the 90s on all three. It's just I don't like, either. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's amazing. The performances are great. but So that, that's what I'm going to get into with, okay, with my yeah, thesis so statement. Go ahead. Is that this movie is the most time-sensitive and director-sensitive film ever made. If it was ever made in a different time, yeah. whether it was in the 80s or the early 2000s, other than just like right in the heart of the great action that was in the mid-90s, yeah, right. it would have been a total flop. But something about what people wanted, something about, like, it was, like, the apex of the time, mm-hmm. and it was, like, so stylized and so over the top. I thought about a similar thesis. I don't know if we're going to something else, but it's – I totally agree with you. It's, like, it's like you couldn't have put John Woo directing these actors in a movie with this much slow-mo with <laughs> such, like, an such over-the-top gun battles. Yeah. Just explosions. Like, it's so heavy-handed from the moment the movie opens – yeah, and there's no, there's so many points in the movie where there's just no explanation for what's going on. People being in a room, like leaving a room and not seeing anyone, like the one you pointed out. Or I, yeah, she's like in. She goes to the hospital in the middle of the night and goes to the, of course, the only place that she would to test blood, the one room where Nick Cage is waiting or right. Sean Archer. He's like, I'd hope that you'd come here. Yeah, he's just there in the <laughs> hospital. Just, yeah, after, he's like the America's most wanted. He just like gets into the hospital. Yeah, or yeah, I mean, I guess he's like a top FBI agent, so he can do it. Or like, or the one with uh, the one with the lobster, when he's like telling the story to yeah. get her to trust him, and it's like, and it's like you're a vegetarian, but like earlier when when Travolta like makes her lobster for dinner, she's like does, she nothing's even, weird, does not even phased by it. Yeah, she's like, I'm just gonna sleep with him. Doesn't matter. Yep, it doesn't matter. They slept together. They did. She says so. so she's like, <laughs> I've been with him for a week. And then, and, but they hadn't slept together for two months. So why does that matter? And then Cage is like, Cage is like, like hysterically like laughing in a scene that like he's like he like, can't get it out. He's like laughing slash crying. Right. It's like really pretty bad. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. So my my thesis statement is um, time has aged this movie in a way that Face Off is a comedy masquerading in an action movie's body. That's good. It's a hundred percent a comedy. It's totally a comedy. I mean, like, I laugh. Throughout the whole film. And I, here's the reason I defend it. It's because the performances themselves are brilliant, but they're brilliant comically. They're funny. Yes. Like, they, I don't really feel much when I'm watching them, except that, like, they make me laugh a lot. And I think intentionally. But then all the action, everything else that's supposed to be intense, also makes me laugh unintentionally. Right. So the movie ends up feeling like an unintentional Furious 7. Like, it ends up feeling the way those right. movies feel, but, like, with better performances and better actors, but, like... It's all ridiculous and over the top, and the performances are comically hilarious. Cage yeah. is phenomenal. He's incredible. I mean, Travolta's great. Like, yeah. I mean, they're both so... I mean, that was one thing about this movie, is that when I did my recast, it was tough, because you actually had to get people that have great acting chops. Yeah. Like, because these guys in this movie, I mean, that's one thing about this movie. I mean, 
these performances are incredible. And and Nick Cage kills it. He's at the top of his game, and we're going to get into that right now with Star Profiles uh, after our fist pump moment. But um, the uh, he's just he he just is. Imagine winning an Academy Award for being the best actor, yeah, and then going and doing like throwaway action movies for the next half decade. Three of them, your trilogy, your famous trilogy. You know, okay, in The Rock, you know the guy with the with the part in his hair. Let's waste these fuckers. That yeah, dude. yeah. Um, I can't remember what his actual name is. I should know this because I've seen it like nine hundred times. We always refer to him as that the guy. Yeah. Um, so I met him a few times, and one of the times that I met him, I let, I finally was like, hey, by the way, The Rock is like one of my favorite movies ever, and. I just, and he was like, oh, thanks so much. And he's very appreciative because he's a smaller actor. But I was like, what do you think makes that era of action movies so much more special? Hmm. Like, why do, you, why do you think that those films have such a special place in people's hearts where, like, as you got into the early 2000s, the movies just don't hold up the same way. People don't care about Sahara. They don't really care about the first Fast and the Furious movie. Point. Like, the, the ones that were trying to do the same thing, it's like, by the time Gone in 60 Seconds came out, like, oh, one, that's, like, sort of, in my mind, the very end of it. Anyway, and he was like, you, you had... Directors with budgets getting the best actors in the world in their movies. Like, they they were getting the top actors. Right. So, I mean, yeah, you're getting the guy that just won best actor and pairing him with Sean Connery in The Rock. That's why that movie's great. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, you're you're putting Travolta, who's like an all-time sex symbol, who's just been resurrected by Pulp Fiction, and putting him up next to the guy that just won best actor. It's like they held these movies to a higher standard than they do, than they do now. Even though they're schlocky and hilarious. Right. It, it didn't matter. You, you think these actors... And I guess, I mean, you'll, you'll see the same thing. I mean, big actors do these movies, but it's like when they do them now, as an audience, we don't care as much. I, yeah. I don't take them seriously. When an A-lister does an action movie, I just ignore it for the most part. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. I mean, because it it doesn't... It feels like cheap. Yeah. Or it feels corny. I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is. It just doesn't feel the way it used to. When you would see it before with those guys, you'd be like, yes! Or, He's, now if you were like Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hardy in Face Off, you'd be like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, right. You'd be like, this is weird. What happened to you guys? Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. Uh, uh, excellent. I like it. Yeah? Alright, so we're gonna get into our fist pump moment now, guys. And, and just to let you know, we do have our, our Twitter that we have. It's it's at AMA Podcast. And uh, you can tweet your fist pump moment at us. Or you can tweet it at me, at Ben Bateman Media. Or you can tweet it... <laughs> yeah, I'm at Andrew Guy. He can find me on Twitter. I've got like 100-some-odd followers now. 153. Is really? I just looked at it. You just checked? I'm proud of you, man. Thanks, buddy. I have a few more. It's not Appreciate a big that. deal. About four times as many. Uh, okay, so this is our fist pump moment. This is that moment in the movie where you kind of... You're sitting there and you're watching it. And you look around and you're... And you're like, is anybody seeing? Like, this is so fucking sweet. Like, if you're sitting there yeah. with your buddy, you lean over, you're like, dude, how much time is left in this movie? You know, you call him up. Whatever it is, it's that moment <laughs> in the movie where you basically want to freak out because you are so happy that this is happening. It's like you want to fuck the TV or something. You really want to fuck the TV, <laughs> but you can't. You can't do it, so you got to call buddies. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, I want you to go first because I love my fist pump moment. Yeah, I wonder if we have the same one. I, I doubt it. Um Actually, my fist pump moment is we have a video clip that we should show, but uh, we are having a small technical difficulty. So why don't why don't you go first? Okay, because in case I'll we speak can very be, slowly. Uh, oh no! Look at that. Our, we're working. We're good. <laughs> Never mind. I'm going to go first. There's only uh, two people that work yeah. here, and we're two of them. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, the, my fist pump moment is the very first scene that you you see. I don't think it, is it the first scene you see Cage. It is the right opening scene. After he after he uh, he sets the the bomb and then he's like the choir and all that. Oh yeah, yeah, it's in the first. The I, first I think whole it's the first thing time happening. you see him, right? Well, no, because you see him shoot his son. Okay, yeah, yeah, with right. the mustache, the, the sweet mustache, the sweet he's like mustache. sipping the diet coke, slow mo. Yeah, um, 
So, uh, yeah, so you first see him and he sets the bomb and then he, like, goes out and he's, like, in the middle of this, like, oh, convention so center. Yeah. And, uh, and he, like, he does this move. You can cue the clip now. He does this move <laughs> where, uh, oh, that's really loud. That's he, does, he does this clip where, <laughs> where he, like, I love it. It's where he walks up. <laughs> yeah, this is my favorite right here. That's the one right there. It's so good. And like, and like the the '90s pretty choir girl. Yeah. So '90s with the bangs. She she's, sees him. She's pretty hot. She is hot. I'm yeah. a fan of her. She's my style. I think she's my style. You like the anyway. Like in this case, she's my style. <laughs> I mean, normally she's not. But anyway, um, he walks up. He's like, what's he say? Like, I normally hate the massage. That's fucking boring. And he's like, ah, what he's going over here. <laughs> <laughs> The face that he makes right here is the right, best shot of the whole movie. This is my, this is my fist right here. This is... That's the fist <laughs> moment. The whole sequence is unreal. It's like, it's, it, well, what I love about it so much is that you know that John Woo was like, alright, Nick, you can just come in and kind of just be as crazy as you want. You gotta yeah. say these three lines, do anything. Yeah. And that's what he does. And he does, like, the headbanging to me. It's so good. Is almost funnier than the ass grab, but they're both so good. Yeah. And the face that he makes. I think it might be the single greatest Nicolas Cage scene of all time. Oh, man. This movie has some of the greatest Nicolas Cage scenes ever. Yeah. So mine is also, uh, uh, my fist bump moment is also a Nicolas Cage scene. Yeah. And it's when he's in the prison and he starts getting his ass kicked by Dubov. Oh, yeah. And he's like so bent over good. the table and he like looks at his brother and he's kind of like, looks at Pollux, kind of yeah. beat. Yeah, he looks at Pollux and he's like, <sighs> he like yeah. gets this crazy face on. with the nosebleed. Yeah, yeah, the nosebleed. And then he goes and beats the shit out of the guy. He's like, I'm Caster Troy! I'm Caster Troy! He's kicking him. <laughs> he starts crying. Yeah, and, yeah. Oh my god. It's just like, why don't they put Nick Cage in these roles anymore? I don't know. Just be crazy. He's done it a couple times. The problem is, you know that thing that happens where a great actor and he'll do a movie... You know, like Cage is a great example of this kind of a guy where he'll do a movie out of the blue that he's good in and the movie's pretty good, but it's not a huge movie that everyone sees. It's like a movie. Like The that, Weatherman. Yeah, The Weatherman. And, and that's, that's sort of, he still hadn't, that's right when he's like falling off. Yeah. But like, if Nick Cage, for instance, when he did, uh, the Bad Lieutenant Port of New Orleans, he's great in that. Right. It's that's a good like movie. 2011 or 2012. Mm-hmm. Literally, this sort of conversation, oh, did you see that movie? He was great in that, is as far as it gets. Right. You don't really believe the movie's that good or that he's that good in it because you, you don't really want to watch it. It's him and Leto in that, right? Uh, is it no. Is it not? I don't think so. I can't quite remember. Uh, I saw it in theaters. Speaking of Leto, this is a complete. Did you see the trailers? The new one? Suicide Squad? I have saw Both it. of them? I haven't watched the new one. No. Oh, they're both very good. If you guys, after this is over, go check them out. Good, huh? Yeah. They're yeah. pretty cool. It looks, it looks good. Or like he did a movie called um, uh, Joe. Yeah, he did yeah, a movie called Joe. Joe that people have talked I haven't mm-hmm. watched it. I watched uh, some of it. I I think I need to try it again. Yeah, I just, it's one of those things. Where it's like you hear it's good. You don't really trust it. You don't care. It's like the star has fallen enough that... For instance, to some degree, Cruz stars, his star had fallen. Right. But, like, there was still... We all believed if you, somebody told you this movie just came out and it's great and he's great in it, well, you would have heard of it because it's a Tom Cruise movie. Right. So it's going to be in theaters. Like, he doesn't let his brand degrade in the way that, like, Cage did, like, 19 straight-to-video movies. I know. That, that, is, that is an interesting thing is, is it feels like nowadays because it happens sometimes with these big guys they yeah. do independent movies and they go straight to, to dvd and mm-hmm. they're good it happens a lot with indie rom-coms yep. especially um but that's true like a guy like tom cruise a guy like nick cage they can't do that now you know daniel day lewis leonardo DiCaprio, tom hardy these guys that are big now 
they can't do that either. No one can do that unless it's like, like I said, like an indie rom com, or if you've just kind of given up and you want a paycheck. Well, yeah, there was there was an era where there was an era when the transition happened. And we talk about this a lot, where and you see it with a lot of these guys that didn't manage their money well. So you, the same thing happened yeah. to Wesley Snipes when he got out of prison, and he he did a bunch of straight to video movies because that's the work he could get. Yeah, you know, and it's like once. When your brand is at that level, you don't have much choice. You can hope that you, you can hope that you're in something that'll kind of raise your star back up. But once you're on top, there's kind of nowhere to go but down. So you have your options are it's like look at Stallone. You know he had largely fallen off, so he went back to the well. He did Rocky Balboa in '06. I think he did Rambo in '08. Yeah, trying to do the old projects again. And now you know then the Expendables franchise kind of worked for him. Yeah, it's it like, definitely put him back on the radar, but not as a serious actor. Yeah, but so know? now with Creed, it's like. He didn't really screw it up in the way that a lot of these guys do. Yeah. And I think, you know, that was a, that was a difficult time for a lot of actors. The transition from, from uh, you know, like actual analog to digital. Yeah. When digital releases and Redbox and everything got so popular, you would do a movie and you wouldn't quite realize just the perception change that was happening. If a movie was a Redbox movie, now it's different. Now if something's Redbox and it's really good, it'll matter. Just yeah. like Netflix and all those. We'll see yeah. it. You know, but there was a period there between like oh probably 07 and like 2013 where we weren't used to it yet. It seemed really cheap. Yeah. So you would write movies off. Yeah, it felt like you were downgrading to yeah. watch it. Even though you weren't, but it was just, that was new. Like so you would saying. see one of these stars in a movie like that and it would like, you're just sort of like your bullshit detector would go off or something. So quick question. Uh, do you think that Kurt Russell and Sylvester Stallone's careers are on the rise again? Hmm. Because you're saying, you, like, what you said is what what you hope, and I don't know if Spike Lee's movie, you saw it, I didn't. Yeah. But that's the type of thing. It's like, Wesley Snipes get it, and he's like, I'm going to Spike Lee. Yeah, movie. when I asked like, him about it, he said, this is a great role. He exactly. said, exactly. this is a great project for me, I think is what he said. Exactly, because he's trying to get on his way back up. And then we had that segment when we did Kill Bill, you know, Kurt Russell's in, in a new Quentin Tarantino movie. That's yeah. a great way to get put back on the radar. Look yeah. at Travolta and Pulp Fiction. Yeah, he was just in Furious 7, too. Yeah, and one. so do you think... That Stallone can go anywhere, and well, that Russell St- can go anywhere. Stallone has a very strong shot at winning the Oscar. Yeah, he probably he's the, he's the lead. Yeah, he probably will for for Creed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, like we talked about, I think the the luck of the Stallone, the, the like, like the Expendables franchise was big for him. It just kept him in people's minds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that this movie, he'll he'll stick around. Um, you know, I do think he'll stick around. Russell's a weird one because, as we said when we did his when we did Tombstone a couple weeks ago, the, like Kurt Russell kind of. He was huge for a long time, and then he just... It wasn't like he fell. People just stopped caring. Yeah, but it's like, we still are all happy to see Kurt Russell be awesome, so, you know, I I mean, Tarantino's done it for so many guys. He's resurrected your career. I think to some degree, this is what we talked about last week. You can't... You can't... There's no roadmap for careers. Right. You know what I mean? The greatest movie stars, like, the, the greatest of the great will always have, like, the ability... To you know, to, like you'll always be a home run hitter. You know, yeah. when Paul Newman does Road to Perdition and he's like yeah. eighty three or something, you still are like Paul Newman's on Road to Perdition. Yeah, you know, so it doesn't matter what age you are. Look at Philip C. Man, Scotty J. In in Along Came Polly. Yeah, everything that that guy did, he did to the like to the nine hundred percent. Incredible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when when Hackman did Tenenbaums, which is one of my favorite movies oh, it's of all a time, great movie. That's like one of his great roles. And, yeah. like, he's, like, in his 70s at that point, I think. He's so good. Just, like, gross. Oh, yeah. And he's also good in, uh, I mean, like, my, I've watched this movie with my mom growing up at Heartbreakers. Oh, yeah, with, uh, with uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Hewitt and yeah, yeah, yeah. Sigourney. He's just, he's just good. Yeah, he's, Hackman's great. But anyway, we digress. Yeah, we do. Okay, so uh, we're going to get into our star profiles. We're going to talk about where these guys were at in their career at the time that they made this movie. Um, we're going to start with Travolta. I don't know why. Actually, you know what? You start with Cage. You break that down for a minute. I'm going to look this up real quick. 
Okay, sounds good. Uh, so Cage, it, Cage and Travolta are at sort of opposite points in their career when this movie comes out. Um, they were both on top again, but Cage was a guy, he was Francis Ford Coppola's nephew, so his early credit that everybody like remembers the non-speaking role is in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. That's right. like 82, I think. And he has just like a non-speaking role. He proceeds to be in a bunch of, bunch of movies in the 80s. He was, really a character actor. He was trying to establish himself as a leading man, but he's in Flyboys, he's in Cotton Club, he's in, uh, like, all this stuff. I mean, he's in Raising Arizona, people remember him for that. He's in Wild at Heart, he's in Rumblefish. I mean, a lot of this that he got to be in because of his relationship to Coppola, but he's got this massive career of movies before he became, like, a household name, leading man, I can be in The Rock, Con Air... Yeah, the movie. I think that the first Nick Cage movie that I saw that wasn't an action role was actually um, Leaving Las Vegas. I yeah. mean, uh, uh, is that what you just said? Leaving Las Vegas? No, no, no. Um, Raising Arizona. Yeah, great movie. First movie I ever saw where he wasn't an action hero. Classic. And so his ability, you know, I mean, it's, all, it's crazy. If you look at Nick Cage's filmography, anybody who's a fan of these movies that we do, go look him up and see how many credits he has between like 82 and... And the time this movie comes out, because I'm, I'm going to guess that he's, he was in 20 plus movies, yeah, and he I works mean, a lot, all kinds of stuff like Red Rock West and Amos and Andrew and like um, uh, Leaving Las Vegas. You just mentioned like just tons and tons and tons of movies. Moonstruck. So he, he's very good in a lot of these movies, but the second half of his career, or we'll say the second third of his career, right. Is where he's really hitting home. He's like, like, I mean, Oscar winner, leading man, action yeah. movies. Everyone wants a piece of Nick Cage. Yeah. So the three previous to this, I mean, leaving Las Vegas in '95, he wins Best Actor. Mm-hmm. The Rock in '96, which is like possibly the greatest action movie ever. It's yeah. like it, it's very high on the list for us. Absolutely. Um, that'll be a special episode we're doing pretty soon here. Actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, 13 weeks, I think. Yeah, I got f- yeah. episode 50. Episode 50, it's the big 5 Big one. Uh, and then Con Air, which is the same year. This is in theaters the same time as Con Air. What a what bad the hell was happening that summer? This awesome. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unreal. All right, so then you got Travolta on the other end, who was like heartthrob, killing it. Everyone wanted a piece of him then. But then this is kind of like where he starts to go down a little bit. He's, trying to, he's trying to win an Oscar, right? Or is he just trying to... What is he doing? Sort well, because... So what... So Travolta, like... The early stuff in his career, by the way, and, and we don't show it later in the, the box office, so I'll just say it now, uh, both by adjusted gross and by actual worldwide gross, the highest grossing movie John Travolta was ever in was Greece. Yeah. In the 70s. Wow. So Adjusted and non-adjusted. Both. That's amazing. Yeah. So, John, and then and then just a few years later. That kind of sucks for him. Saturday Night Fever was a few years later. The yeah. 70s were massive for John Travolta. He was the guy. Yeah. Like, he was absolutely the guy. Like, he was a fucking sex symbol. He could dance. Like, he had the soft voice. Like, he was just, like, the guy. It was the butthole chin that people loved. Yeah, he was skinny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, he was the guy in the, in the 70s, and I'm sure he just had that feeling like this is never going to end. So, when the 80s came along... If you guys ever catch Urban Cowboy on cable... I've seen it once. Real it's, bad. It's, like, right at the beginning of the end. Because yeah. the, the 80s for John Travolta are, like, just... A, there's, like, nothing. Like, he's barely in anything. Mm-hmm. So the big story is in Pulp Fiction that that's, that's when... Uh, because Tarantino had seen these movies in the 70s. He knew what kind of a star he was. Right. So he gave him the role in Pulp Fiction. And he kills so it. That's the big one. So he was off the radar for, like, almost 15 years. Well, he was... 95? 94. 94. And then he goes and does Broken Arrow in 96. Yep. And Phenomenon and Michael. Yeah. All in 96. <laughs> yeah. She's, he's getting that money. Yeah. Um, it's funny because whenever we, like, we used to play that movie game, uh, and you would, like, you'd group together movies in your mind, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You, the movie game we're talking about is where one of us would name an actor, we'd go back and forth naming movies that that actor had been in until one of us got stumped, couldn't name one. Except 
the one time that we tied was Tom Cruise. We listed every single movie that Tom Cruise had ever been in in his whole career. Yeah. It was pretty impressive. It's a tie if there's no more movies. So, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, with whenever you do Travolta, Michael and Phenomenon, for, they're grouped. Yeah, it's like it's the same with like Bruce Willis. You have like Last Man Standing, Last Boy Scout, Striking Distance. That's yep. like the trio. And with Cage, it's these three. It's yep. the trio. It's the Rock Conair face off. So like they're just you know he, he got a check and all of a sudden he was just like I got and then Get Shorty isn't that like uh that's like late late nineties right is it after this maybe it's the, yeah. maybe it's like the year after this which is also great yeah Get Shorty's great like he had a good run and then I mean Travolta was in a bunch of stuff I think The General's Daughter was right after this. Mm-hmm. I want to say, like, Swordfish is 01, I think. Which I watched again the other day, and I think we could maybe do it on this show eventually. Probably. Swordfish, yeah. right? It's pretty fun. It's, like, action-packed, right? Yeah. 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 It's all original characters. Do you think that he can... Do you care about him anymore? Well, you know that I love the taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3. That's true. And that's, that's 09. Uh, but that's also six years ago, seven years ago now. Right. Uh, at this point, Travolta. I'm using a hairspray. Um, <laughs> okay. I'm gonna. We're going to go ahead and move on past that. Uh, all right, so this next part we're going to do is our production breakdown development. This movie was... Okay, this movie could have been sweet. I mean, it is very <laughs> sweet, but it could have been so sweet in different ways because of the other people they wanted to play the role. Right. Like, they wanted Arnold and Stallone to go head-to-head. They wanted Jean-Claude Van Damme to be in it. They wanted Michael Douglas they and wanted Harrison Jean-Claude Ford. Jean-Claude and Seagal to go head-to-head. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Jean-Claude and Seagal, yeah. Arnold and Stallone, Ford and uh, 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 Douglas. Yeah. Those were the... Harrison Ford, Michael Douglas. That would have been good. That would have been so good. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, though, something I started to think about was that a lot of these... A lot of the premise of these action movies that we love so much... A lot of them have similarities. Like it's it's you it's like the whole like cop and bad guy who right. are like bound by honor that are like diametrically opposed by principles right. and like they you know what I mean, but they like know Did each other. Did you just describe the rock? Well there that's exactly what yeah. it is. No, but think about it. Point breaks that way. Yep. Heat is that way. That's the whole story in mm-hmm. heat. Um, face off, the face rock. off, yeah, the rock. Like it's you know these cop movies. Like it's a very Fast and the Furious, which is just the same movie as Point Break. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, this is like a classic storyline. It's very effective. It's, it's super compelling. It's good. Yeah, uh, uh, even Demolition Man. Even Demolition Man. <laughs> even Demolition Man. Yeah, <laughs> the truest of action movies. Simon Phoenix. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't know what was happening for a second, but I, I got you. Uh, <laughs> so reference the demolition man it's uh, never mind <laughs> alright so this was originally optioned in 1990 by producer Joel Silver who we've talked about a lot on this show he's an action producer superstar essentially but then it fell in the lap of Michael Douglas who they wanted him they really really wanted him to be in the movie I'm so glad he wasn't though uh, Douglas was killing it at the time so was Ford yeah but like Nick Cage he was the guy it's weird for me to think about Douglas in this because Traffic is only four years later, and he seems so old. In he Traffic does seem so old to play a role in this movie. Mm-hmm. He really, I mean, he could have. It's just like it's better that they're a little younger, right? Like, because it would have been Ford and Douglas, so would have, this whole thing would have been like ten years. This would have been the same older. year as Air Force One, yeah. And you know, Ford kicks ass. He throws a lot of punches. <laughs> ah, get yeah. off my plane! Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Why don't you Why don't you get into the writers here? Yeah, so uh, you know, pretty much this is a this was a spec script by Mike Werb. So the two writers that are credited on this are Mike Werb and Michael Colleri. They're basically a writing team. Mm-hmm. Um, neither one of them really recently has done much. Uh, Mike Werb is a little bit more decorated than Colleri. He's he worked on a, a, a 
Cartoon Network live action show called uh, Unnatural History in 2010, which hmm. I sort of remember seeing ads for. I don't remember that. Um, they they created it together, but uh, since then, Colleary has basically no credits, um, and Werb has worked a little bit on that new Steven Spielberg Halle Berry show, Extant. Oh yeah, he's like a consulting producer. He wrote one episode. Uh, it, I'm so skeptical because it's Spielberg. He's great. It's Halle Berry. She's not, but she can be. Yeah. But it's a TV show. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I wasn't particularly interested. I mean, Werb's big break was he wrote uh, the screenplay for The Mask. Remember that movie? Love that. Cameron yeah. Diaz. Yeah. Oh, she yeah. was she was smoking smoking in it back then. Smoking. Yeah, Darkman three, and then his his big ones, uh, Lara Croft Tomb Raider. He did after he did this movie, and then Curious George, the Curious George movie in 06. Huh. It's a funny, a weird filmography for him. He like l- looking at the writers on this movie and, and researching them. There was very little about them, and their filmographies were like kind of just like whatever. Right. But I will tell you. Uh, I mean, John Woo is amazing, and then when we get to producers, yeah. there's one producer that's a complete Stone Cold badass. Really? Okay, I was going to say, it's like, the writers we don't really care about, the producers are kind of whatever, but John Woo yeah. is really what was good. Because the guy left, he's like, fuck America, they yeah. don't like me anymore, I'm going to go back to China. Because he did, he did Paycheck... And Wind Talkers, which I actually kind of liked. Wind Do you Talkers. like Wind Talkers? I actually liked it. Doesn't surprise me. I haven't watched it in so long. There's this, there's this incredible, there's this incredible phenomenon with your movie watching where there's like a stretch of time that I'm sure you were like it was before we worked at a blockbuster, right? And around the time when you were in college, yeah. and I'm sure you just watched like so many bad movies, a lot of bad movies, and just man. a lot of time to watch movies, and like. You were just like, I'm a movie buff, so I'm going to see this because it has Mel Gibson in it. Or like, <laughs> Nicolas Cage is in this, so I'll watch it. Adam Beach. And you just have like a, like a soft spot for a lot of I these do, movies. I do, man. I have a soft spot for so many bad movies. And when you look at our list of our ranked movies, that there's that spot yeah. in the middle of it where it's just like, Con Air is this high? Yeah, right. Why? I was like, so it's going to be <laughs> Patriots, like, like one of the great movies of all time in your book. So good. That's yeah, so funny. <laughs> uh, so John Woo, you know, he, he, he born and raised in Hong Kong, film director, writer, producer, um, and he is well known. This movie has everything that he's well known for in it. You got slow mo, you got crazy gunfights, you got Mexican standoffs. It's it's everything that you want. That's John. All the wooisms that you could ever want are in this movie. There's a few things that happen in this movie that I see in a lot of action movies that I like. Really would love to try. Like I would love to jump sideways out of like a car or helicopter and try to fire two guns simultaneously. Right. Two see, golden like, guns. See if I could hit anything. You wouldn't. Um, no, I'd hurt myself. You'd like. Yeah. You'd like go up, not get anywhere near enough elevation, <laughs> and you'd like fall on your shoulder and like just dislocate, break, shoot yourself in the yeah. leg. <laughs> like there's that one. There's the slow mo shot of uh, of Cage jumping off of the top of Air One. The prison oh, in the middle yeah. of the ocean. It's so good. And like what happens like when guys jump off like high structures like that? It's like Willis jumping off the side of the building in Die Hard. Do you jump? Do you like stay straight? Do your legs flail like they always seem to? Right. You know what I mean? Like I was just watching, I was like, God, I wonder I what that would be like. Well, you kind of see what happens with the car shooting or the jumping sideways and shooting is Castro Troy does it pretty pretty brilliantly. And then Pollux Troy does it like eh. and he like falls. <laughs> like, yeah, and he yeah. falls, hurts himself, and he gets captured immediately. Well, because the what happens in this movie is that in all the scenes it, it appears that Sean Archer is physically superior. Right. He's like he's like the better fighter, but Castro Troy is the better, better shot. shot. Yeah. yeah. He never misses. So that's like the thing. Because he even makes the, the comment later when when, uh, when he's got Dominic Swain hostage. Right. And he's like, no doubt mind would shoot that wide or whatever. Right. He says. I love it. it's such a good line. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah anyway John Woo like his the, the real story on John Woo is the Woo is which, which you mentioned are very famous. It's, mm-hmm. it's all the slow mo. It's the his his like he made Chow Yun Fat very famous yes. in in the eighties in Hong Kong. With his movies are like hard boiled, hard to the kill. killer. Um, 
hard 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 target hard, hard target. target with yeah. Van Damme. Yeah, that's yeah. his first one when he comes to the states. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, a better tomorrow is the first one. That's like the very very first famous one. But hit, the whole thing I'm talking about with like diametrically opposed good guy bad guy. Right. That's his whole it's like all of them shtick. Yeah. Like that's what he does. He makes these movies about like they know each other intimately and they you know what I mean. So that's like his whole thing. He did like something like 15 or 16 movies in Hong Kong before coming to America. And his first couple movies in America were were uh, Broken Arrow, Hard Target. Mm-hmm. He then did this movie, and the deal with Face Off, the reason it's so it's like significant in his career is because in Face Off he finally got creative control. Right. They'd edited those first two movies down so much that they didn't really feel like John Woo movies. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Do you think Tony Scott, Michael Bay, or John Woo, who's more noticeable as a director? Depends, like to who. Right. If you know, like, to if, us. To Andrew Guy and Ben Bateman. Noticeable? Like, I think I could pick out any three of their movies from a lineup. Pretty easily. But the one to me that, like, on a consistent basis resonates the most is Scott. It's Scott. It's 100% Scott. It's because because they feel the most similar, all of them. They feel the most similar, and then Michael Bay has those movies. I mean, The Rock is... Is, it does as, have Michael Bayisms in it, but it doesn't feel so heavy-handed like all of his other films. Every bit as good as uh, anything Tony Scott ever did. I mean, it's to be fair, we haven't seen Thirteen Hours yet, and I've actually heard very, heard good, very things. good things. I've heard that it's pretty reserved. Like some of our fans were telling us, it's like yeah. kind of reserved, and yeah. Hey, maybe we'll do it soon. Maybe when it goes on video, we'll just we'll just do it. Yeah. So what? What? I'm actually. Andrew, you did the uh, the research on the producers this week. What 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 do I need to know? I'm okay, well, so so the deal with this is um, there's basically four. There's five. There's ten. I mean, there's always there's always like ten or thirteen 6, producers. Six thousand producers. Because you spend eighty million dollars on a movie, you're gonna have to have a lot of people. There's always regional yeah. producers. There's coordinating producers. But the deal with this is, I mean, quickly. So Christopher Godzik is he currently produces and works on the show Veep. Uh whatever. That's pretty much it. His this was his third movie. I know Veep. Yeah. <laughs> he also produced Broken Arrow. Terrence Chan is a longtime friend of John Woo. He produced pretty much everything Woo's ever done in America mm-hmm. and then continues to do his movies since he's gone back to Hong Kong. Um, and, and John Woo is actually having a bit of a resurgence back there over the last five or six years. Barry M. Osborne is sort of the big shot in terms of like the credits that he has. Oh yeah. He's got a big name. He's like he was, you know, a big on-site producer, so he produced The Matrix, he produced the Lord of the Rings franchise, um, I think threw some money into this, so I don't know his story that well, but again, he's not a guy, his credits speak for themselves, but right. there's not a lot of, like... You don't ever have to say anything, you're like, I produced Lord of the Rings. Now this guy, David Permut, Permut, whatever you want to call him, um, this is a guy who is listed at the top of this, but he, his credits aren't, like, insane, he's, he's not like a guy where you look, but, like, so, so Dragnet... And Face about Off. This. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, Dragnet and Face Off are like sort of his, I would say his two biggest. He's produced a bunch of other stuff. But some of the stories you read about this guy are crazy. Like, okay, for instance, one of the things, he pitched the very first television to film adaptation ever, which was Dragnet. Right. And he pitched it by humming the theme song in an exec's office and just being like, Dragnet as a movie. They made it, made tons of money. Right. One of his all-time most successful. Uh, in... Let's see. What are the other things? Yeah, I, I Richard Pryor here. thing. This is yeah. This is probably my favorite one. So uh, he and his partner Bill Sargent formed special uh, special event entertainment SEE, and uh, they financed Richard Pryor live in concert in 1979. So this is the first filmed comedy concert. Nobody wanted to no distribute it. No production company was into it. So they invested their own money to get it booked on theater screens, and the and the movie ended up making over thirty million dollars. Yeah. Thirty million dollars was that the eighties, right? Mid eighties. Yeah. And there was another film, right, a film right before this that he made of a one man show. That the same thing, he filmed it, 
tried to pitch it, nobody wanted it, distributed it himself, made $14 million, and the guy got nominated for an Oscar. What a badass. Yeah. Like, the stories that you read about him and the people he discovered, and, like, his quotes are like, like would you ever want to, you know, work with Steven Spielberg? And he's like, I'm a fan of Steven, I'd love to work with him, but I want to discover the next Steven Spielberg. Right. That's, like, his quotes. Like, I just reading about this guy, I was like, wow. Love this guy. He's very you cool. You have a dream, you just follow it. You do it. People yeah. don't believe in you, just fucking do it. Two of the stories that he meet, he met, like, a waiter at a diner who, like, told him a story about a blind date that he had been on. Uh-huh. It was really cool. They developed a script together. He pitched the script. It's the film Blind Date with Kim Basinger and Bruce Willis. Really? Yeah, he got it made for the guy. Like, met a stereo salesman who, like, told him a story. He's directed two movies produced by him now. Like, I just... The guy reading about it, I was just very... I was very inspired. It sounded really cool. It sounded like the kind of person where... You're willing to kind of give anything a chance, anybody right. a chance. So he, I thought that was pretty. And he just knows. He just knows what's going to make money. He knows what the audience is going to like. Yeah, and I'd never heard of him. Um, yeah, I've never heard of him either. Yeah, we ton, talk about a lot of producers on the show. Ton of credits. He's work, he's producing a war film right now with uh, Vince Vaughn and Andrew Garfield and somebody else pretty relevant. Vaughn's doing this whole dramatic thing. Yeah, right? yeah. So I thought that was pretty interesting. I I, I, I like that guy. Uh, so this movie, uh, we're gonna get into our critical and box office reception, which is so interesting to me. Yeah. Especially the critical part. Um, crazy. So this was, uh, released by Paramount, as you saw in the trailer. It cost $80 million to make, which was a lot of money at the time, and the reason for that was that they wanted to do a lot of practical stunts. They didn't want to have green screens, <laughs> which is hilarious because it was to add to the reality of the film. <laughs> that's like, that's the quote from the one producer I was just talking about. Yeah, like, but, yeah, the second guy was, was like, <laughs> Uh, according to producer Barry M. Osborne, most of the challenging action scenes, including the flight on the deck of the boat and the airplane going down the runway, were originally planned as green screen shots, but they filmed them practically support the realism of the story. Just incredible. <laughs> Die! Die! <laughs> like, you have people changing faces, okay? It doesn't matter. You can do a flight. I mean, those scenes were good, though. Like, I, I remember when we were talking about doing this movie, I, I hadn't seen it in a long time. I've yeah. seen it a few times when I was younger. You'd seen it more than I had. Uh, but we were saying how... It just is so cheesy and like it. I, that's what I was saying. Is it just seemed cheesy and bad and corny and not not good action? But you go back and you watch the action is actually pretty good. Yeah. And the one thing we talked about was speedboat chases and how they always fall flat. Oh yeah, it's actually pretty sweet. Speedboats and action movies in general are sweet. Like my all time favorite is the shot that only shows in the trailer of Mission Impossible Three where right. they're in a speedboat. <laughs> it's like not even in the real movie. It's just a shot of them on a speedboat like for two seconds. Yeah. Just yeah. to have a speedboat. It's like cruise on a motorcycle. You just have to have it. Have to have it. You gotta have it yeah. run. You gotta have a motorcycle. You have to climb something. Uh, okay, so it cost eighty million dollars. It was released in June 20, uh, of nineteen ninety seven, and it grossed one hundred and twelve domestic and one hundred and thirty three million worldwide to make a, a total of two hundred and forty five million dollars. That's a testament to the international appeal of John Woo. More than more you than you think anything. so. Hundred percent. Well, because yeah. I mean, uh, Travolta obviously at that point in his career had a big following, but Cage wasn't quite there yet. Overseas. And, and also, like, we're, we're in that era we talk about where you look up a movie like Demolition Man, it didn't have an international release. Right. Not all movies got them. So back those movies in the 70s, like, I'm sure Greece made it overseas, but you didn't have DVD players. You didn't have digital. So for a giant international audience, the money to push this in China has to be the John Woo name. Because he right. was about as big as it got in China. And he's still big there now. Like, he's yeah. still making films. Huge. And, yeah. Uh, so we have a, a graph here, a chart, if you will, of the worldwide unadjusted of Nick Cage's films. He like his number one. <laughs> I, I totally so, did so. not think it was going to... I thought that number two and three were going to be number one and two. Because I knew that the National Treasure franchise made an obscene amount of money. Does it surprise you they haven't made a third one? Uh... Yeah, I thought they were, like, thinking about it. Yeah, maybe they've optioned it. But The Croods? What? Yeah, I've never seen it. Me neither. I didn't even know it was one of those ones you were supposed to see. Like, How to Train Your Dragon, I know I'm supposed to see it. I don't know how I haven't seen it yet. Right. No one talks to me about The Croods. The Croods, ever. It came out at the right time. 
Yeah, the Croods. Yeah, it was. It was that just like the height of all those like Pixar and no, DreamWorks movies. No, there was movies? no other family movies out at the time, so that was the movie that people took their families to see. Did you take your family to see it? Uh, I took all eight of my children. Yes, you've got great birthing hips, Mark. <laughs> which which of your children? You. Which of your children liked it the most? Uh, my oldest, my my twenty year old. What's well, his What's his name? Yeah, what's his name? Darius. Like? Darius, right? Tell Darius hello from us. <laughs> of course, I'll tell him that his uncle say hi. <laughs> All right, so this is this is the interesting. I mean, this has all been interesting, but this is where you really are kind of just like, what the hell is going on? Uh, critical reception, IMDb seven point three, um, which is which is to me that's, that's fine. Yeah, that's it's probably a little higher than I would have expected. I would have expected maybe seven point one. Yeah, but it's not that crazy. I think it's got like a seventy six on Metacritic. Yeah, or Metacritic. But this Rotten Tomatoes all top all critics, top critics, and audience in this order ninety two percent. 96% and 82%. And 96% from top critics with over like three reviews is insane. Like that's incredible. That's that's yeah. like Hurt Locker status. That's Gladiator. That's, you know, these are award-winning movies. Yeah, but the most fascinating part about this is it's the opposite of our normal movie, which is that the third one, audience score is usually the highest. Right. How the hell <laughs> did top critics give this a 96%? Right. And then the audience was like, nah, I don't buy it. Top critics? Roger Ebert, like, gave this a glowing review. Oh, yeah. Three out of four. It's on Wikipedia. I didn't write it down, but he loved it. Got nominated for a fucking Oscar. Yes. (laughs) Best effects? Really? You know that they actually didn't switch faces, Academy, right? You know that's just the actors playing each other. It's it's unbelievable. It lost to a little film. I don't know if you guys know. uh, I think it was called... uh, Oh, God. Was it Titanic? I think is what it was called. Yeah. I've I've heard of that one. Jim Cameron, my buddy. Uh, Jim so, made a great film that year. Jim. You should be really proud of what he did. Uh, <laughs> Which one do you want to do? You want to go rotten or fresh? Which one has bigger words in it? Oh, very funny. I want the other one. <laughs> very funny. You screwed me last week on that. <laughs> Got him. Uh, all right. So I'll do Stephen Hunter from the Washington Post. This is a fresh review saying, almost indefensibly violent. This film is one of those world gigs of wit, barbaric energy, blood spatters, and firepower that will be adored by the mor- morally retarded among us, like me. And loathed by the morally superior. Yeah, I'd say pretty accurate. Though, the, the, that's not true because it's not true. morally superior are usually critics, and the critics love it. They love it, including him. Yeah. So <laughs> I, but I had to put that in there because it's that's what we're talking about. Like when you say morally retarded and morally superior, it, everyone loved this movie. This movie's like getting hit on the head with a tack hammer. It's like yeah. it's like it's like what do you like? It's super entertaining, but the whole time you're watching, you're like, am I dazed or is right, this what's just, like you're having fun? Yeah, yeah. It just never lets up. No, and it's it's. It does drag a little, but I don't know what you take out. Do you take out the relationship with uh, the wife? Slow motion can't slow down your heart rate. That's really good. <laughs> Do you take out Pamela Landy? I don't know. I mean, she... Pamela... Oh, that is her, isn't that's it? her name, yeah. Pamela Landy. Joan Allen. Where do you, what do you cut out of this movie? I mean, I guess you could cut out the Dominique Swain stuff, but his relationship is actually funny. Yeah. Um, it's actually good. Do you wonder the scene where he kicks Carl's ass? Um, the boyfriend? Why he does it? Is it the boyfriend? Yeah. Uh, Danny Masterson? Um, I mean, I don't know. What do you mean? Look, like, okay, because so he's like, why Why does he care about the daughter? Yeah, is it just to keep up appearance or Maybe, something? Maybe, and he's just like, I think he just likes just kicking the shit out of people. Maybe, yeah. He seems to have, like, sort of a friendship with the daughter a little yeah. bit. Like I think a little. It, it's because he's like, they, they, they're kindred spirits. Right, yeah. 
that the, kindred spirits. <laughs> do you like at the end of the movie when Travolta comes back as him and he comes in and the daughter's just like dressed in the most plain Jane middle school girl outfit she's grown because up. she's changed now. And she does it and she does a Maggie Grace run yeah. with the flailing yeah. arms. Sorry <laughs> I shot you, Dad. She was the original Maggie Grace. She really was. Yeah. My but, brother, my older brother who was on did, did the Matrix show uh-huh. uh, with us. Uh he he loved Dominic Swain in this oh, yeah. movie. Of course, because he was in high school when this movie came out. I remember when I was... Because this was like right around when the internet had come out, right? 97 was like two years after yeah, it was like yeah. everyone had gotten access. Uh, I remember looking up her and looking up the choir girl. Right. And I couldn't find them. The choir- I didn't know how to use the internet yet. <laughs> choir girl was very pretty. She's very attractive. I wonder what she looks like now. <laughs> we'll look that up. Yeah. All right. What do we got here, Bateman? All uh, right. Andrew. Uh, guys, Damn it's, it. it's a clever ruse God, we've been pulling on you. I'm actually Ben Bateman. I'm actually Andrew Guy. Or am I? Or is he? <laughs> um, anyway, guys, so uh, the, the negative review here is by Eugene Novikov from Film Blather. After seeing this mind-numbing action flick, I'm still stumped that all the hype was about. So many critics and viewers around the country marveled at this movie, but for what? It's not a horrible movie, but it certainly isn't very good. Your review isn't very good, sir. <laughs> Your review isn't very good, Nikolai, Nik, Niko, Nivokov. Um, His name is Eugene, actually. Whatever. <laughs> I know. I put that in there because I, I actually felt like if I was going to tell someone about the movie, that's kind of what I'd say. Yeah, it's like, it's pretty good, but it's like... It's not great. No, it's the performances are super memorable. They really are. And it's also, as you said in your thesis, it's it's like... It's the time period that it came out. So it and and the point that these guys were at in their career, it's like it's sort of like with Independence Day. Right. Everybody regards Independence Day as so much more classic and better than it is to the point that they're making a remake because everybody regards it that way. Yeah. And there are parts of it sure that are awesome, but there's a lot of it that's absolutely terrible. I mean, it's nowhere near as good as this movie. No. And no. it's sorry. Yeah, nothing about that movie except for the speech is even on the same level as this movie. Right. And like as a kid, I remember when we watched it um, not as kids, but I remember what I liked as a kid, I hated as an adult, was was Will Smith being Will Smith. Which is horrible now. Which is really bad now. Yeah. It's, un, it's unbearable to watch. But back then, it was so sweet. I heard Concussion was terrible. I know. I, no one talked. It just disappeared. I heard he's, actually heard he's very good. The accent's a little... Su- yeah. I heard the, <laughs> the accent was a little suspect, but I heard the movie itself was very good. Really? Weird year for the Oscars. Really weird. I'm, I'm going through all the movies here. I'm covering the SAG Awards here in two weeks. That's um, really exciting. Should be very fun. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully Cruz is there. I was going to say, if Cruz is there, you got to put water in your microphone. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why he would be there, uh, but maybe he will just because... <laughs> no, why would you do that? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's, a, it's a big awards show, but uh, yeah. there'll be some very big people there, but... Uh, I'm gonna watch everything in preparation for it, and like, I saw Big Short over the weekend, and meh, it, it's, it's really good, but it's like not a movie that should be in like a best picture category. I think about the kind of movies in the years that like movies I watched growing up, like American, Pulp Fiction American is out Beauty. the same year as Forrest Gump, which is out the same year as The Shawshank Redemption, right? Like that's those... three of the movies in the top five that year. That's unbelievable. Yeah, you know, like like The Big Short, The Revenant. Like I saw Revenant, like it's beautiful it has some incredible scenes mm-hmm. i don't think i really need to watch it again like it's just it's really dark and intense and like not a story there's hardly a story at all this happens every few years in the academy where there's just like a run of best picture movies you're just kind of like i don't care about any of these movies yeah last year i cared a little bit more i didn't see gravity yet or awesome not, um but i i loved birdman i loved whiplash oh yeah you know oh yeah uh boyhood was great boyhood was very good yeah so whiplash was so good God. 
Birdman was really good. Yeah, JK was so awesome in Whiplash. I need to go home and watch that. That's what I'm going to do when we're done <laughs> uh, here. Anyway, we digress. Yeah, we do. We talk a lot. Uh, so now we're going to get into our that, the part of the show where we kind of... It, it's our fun part of the show. It's like the games. We like to get the audience involved. So yeah. uh, I don't have the live chat going today. I apologize. But like we said before, you can tweet at us at AMA Podcast or at Ben Bateman Media. Uh, you can be yeah, at Andrew Guy. <laughs> That's a good name, man. That's a good name. It's a good name. Uh, <laughs> and, and lastly, though, just remember to check out the Popcorn Talk Network uh, on everything else they do. They oh, have a yeah. show on Fridays they do called uh, Anatomy of a Movie. They cover the brand new releases. There's a number of other good shows that go on audio and video podcast. You can actually find this show as well as an audio podcast on the iTunes store, uh, a number of other sources as well. So so give us a rating or a review. Uh, mm-hmm. It helps us kind of stay high in the standings so people know about the show as we continue to grow the audience. And, uh, yeah, so check that out. You're pretty good at that. Yeah, you know, I, I learn a lot That's from good. you. Yeah, I, oh, you know. <laughs> uh, all right, so we're going to do our favorite line of the movie, and I have a good one. I'm very proud. I'm not proud of it. I didn't come up with it, but I remember <laughs> watching it. I, this happens a lot with these movies that come out in this time that we enjoy this much, is you're watching like, oh, my God, that's my favorite line. Oh, no, that's my favorite Yeah, right. Line. And then right, finally right. one line happens. It's like when you walk through a store and you see that one thing, you're like, oh, that's that's for me. Right. Like, when you hear that, when I heard that uh-huh. line, I was like, oh, that's my line. I wanted to use the same one as you. Uh, we I think we reacted the same way, but I, there are some others I really liked as well. Okay, well I'll, I'll do mine then because I, I wonder if it's the same. Um, so they're asking is like, so who is the bomber or yeah. who, who who planted the bomb? It's like, well that's classified, but if whoever did this is out there listening, <laughs> interception. Now our side's got the ball. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> just so ridiculous. What? <laughs> so awesome. he owns it though. He's like the best <laughs> douchebag cop ever when he comes back. Yeah, interception. Now our side's got the ball. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing, amazing. Was that the line? Yeah, no, that was That's the, the one, one okay. I wanted. Yeah. yeah, but but you know, I thought about it. There's a lot that I like. So the thing about this movie is that a lot of the best lines are just like single moments. So it's it's kind of like fist bump moments. But yeah, I, I, your fist bump moment is like kind of my other favorite line when he's just saying I'm Castro Troy over yeah. and over again. But I really like when he first meets Dominic Swain and she's talking to Carl on the phone and he goes in to like. And she's like, you're you're invading my boundaries. And he's like, Jane, I'm coming in. And she's like, Jamie. And he's like, looks at the pillow. And he's like, and he's like Jamie, you didn't let me finish. <laughs> that's my that's my other favorite line. He's so good. He says the wrong name. <laughs> I also love die. Like when Jane yeah. screams at the end. Absolutely excellent. Um, I love that. I mean, so many of the moments in this movie—it's just the movie is just a whole movie of fist pump moments when he's when he's hugging the kid and freaking him out. Right, Michael. <laughs> Michael. Just, just scaring him. Oh my god, dude! I, is this movie? Oh, when we get into the categories, I don't know. I might change mine. Oh no! I don't know. We've talked you into it. I don't know. Uh, do you want to do hero villain ranking? Yeah, let's do hero villain ranking. So uh, this is the part of the show where we rank heroes and villains. This is an interesting one because. Obviously, if you look at the cast list, um, they play the same role in two different parts. Um, so for me, as a hero, I did not rank either of them as the hero. Yeah, I didn't. It's, I don't think Sean Archer, when he's a hero, is memorable. And I don't think Caster Troy, as Sean Archer, is memorable. He's, he's funny. Good. He's kind of a bitch, though. Yeah. He's just kind of whatever. He's, um, like, lost in his own skin. He does a good job. Um but the villains. Yeah, Villains is real good. That's, what, that's really what I got into. So where did you rank? Your uh, villains. Okay, so I have uh, Caster Troy, uh, the actual Caster Troy, the Caster Troy that we see in this film for like the first thirty minutes of right. the movie. Nick Cage is Caster Troy, um, number thirty, which is almost like a disservice. I feel right. Uh, like I think you could almost go like better than that. Um, and by the way, we can we can throw up on the screen because we have it the scene where he's in the prison 
and he walks in. He's got the newspaper. Yes. He's like, my, you good looking. <laughs> uh, we just play it because it's like the first time you they're talking to each other in each other's bodies. Right. Uh, so we can just sort of play it just in the background while we talk here. But uh, I put that I put him at 30 because I, I think he's got some fantastic moments. Yeah. I wanted to put him higher, except that, weirdly enough, it's Travolta as Castor Troy that's the better Castor Troy. Absolutely. In the end, he's just super, super memorable. So I actually put him at number 14, uh, two slots behind the Predator. That's good. That's real good. Yeah, I moved him up pretty high. I, on the other hand, uh, I felt the same way about the original Castor Troy. I put him at number 48. Yeah. Um, he's good. He's just not in the film long enough to really yeah. like love him. And he's, and he's, he's just so cool. <laughs> It's tough, though, because the best moment in the whole movie, in my opinion, is when you first see him, and that's Castor Troy being Castor Troy. Right. So I feel almost like I should put him higher. I love this part when you're watching it. You're just like, yeah. oh. Everyone's dead. And and the look on Cage's face, when he's like, what, he's like, he's like, he's like you, you, you killed him? You killed him? <laughs> the look at his face is so great. Oh, man, so good. He's like, I just won an Oscar. <laughs> I'm in this movie. Oh my god! I would have freaked out. <laughs> yeah, of course. I think the first time I saw this, I was... <laughs> it's so good, so good, all right, so good. All right, okay, okay. yeah. I'm sorry. Um, all right, so I have the original cast of Troy at 48. Are you saying you think you should put him lower because his, his your favorite parts? Are I think that. he should be higher. Yeah, like I, th- I think I think he's probably worth more. Like because I put him. <sighs> I'll tell you the first thing I need to do, and I will do it this week, is I have to I have to go watch um, Mad Max again. Because uh-huh. I have to establish where I actually want to have Morton Joe. Right. He's a weird barometer on my list because he's like 30 for me, I think, right? He's on there at 30? Uh, yes. You have 31. And he's not memorable, memorable to me on the same level that the guys that are around him are. Right. But he is good. So I have to decide, like, really where do I feel about he's him. He's super evil and, like, he's almost like, he just fills a role, you know? I mean... A lot of the early rankings when we very first started this, we weren't as like familiar with it, so we were just kind of eyeballing. It's hard mm-hmm. when there's no frame of reference. So I think by next week we're going to probably do a re-rank on all this. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, we're going to do a re- we're going to do an overhaul, re-rank of all the lists. Probably phase two starts next week. Yeah, so to speak. Yes, it does. Uh, and then I put I put uh, Castor Troy as Sharn Archer at sixteen behind the T one thousand and T two and ahead of Bodie in Point Break. I can't believe you would do I that. I know, you hate it. I, I even remember when I sent I sent you the, the thing yeah. and I was like, I bet he's gonna be so mad. But really, he's so good. Like Travolta is just so good and I love like you don't see a lot of it in the film, but you do see them pick up on each other's mannerisms yeah. and the way they say things and it's so good and he's so entertaining. Yeah. And really good. Yeah. So I, I had to put him that high and we'll see if it stays there next week. I mean obviously Buddy's number two on my list, so there's not a whole lot of uh yeah, it's, it's, it's not, not really, really a, to go. I'm a little I'm a little biased. Um <laughs> but uh let's talk about where we put the movie. Yeah. The movie itself. So this was a, this was like to me, this was where I was like, Okay, my list is pretty accurate if I can I could eyeball it and be like, This is exactly how I feel about it. It's right. like I like it better than The Patriot slightly. I like it a little more than Rogue Nation. It's a little better than Air Force One. You like it more than The Patriot? Yeah, yeah. It's one of the greatest movies ever made. <laughs> Patriot's sweet. <laughs> Face Off is just laden with memorable right. shit. Yeah. But it's not quite as good as Tombstone because it's like, I still like the performances. You have, that's one of your biased films. For sure. Yeah, but like it's for most people, Tombstone and Face Off would be right next to each other. Yeah. They're the same conversation for people. But I just there's that one performance that Tombstone is so memorable. Yeah. But I mean they're next to each other. And then Last Samurai is just a better movie. And then yeah, you know, you get then you start to get into the movies where it's like Predator is one of my all time movies. And Man on Fire is so good. It's right. Tony Scott. It's like Mission Impossible Three, Count to Ten, better than anything this movie Count does. To 10. Incredible, right? Born Identity, Minority Report, like Fury Road. 
I think Looper will end up moving down for me. Casino might move down. I love Looper. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you, when you get into the top that's half like, of this that's list. A, that's not a bad place to put it for you, for sure. It seems, uh, I'm, seems I'm right. I'm glad it's ahead of taking Pelham 1, 2, 3. That's yeah. all that matters. <laughs> uh, on my list, I have it at 22. And I moved Point Break down one. Crazy. Just like moving Bodie down one. I have it right after Con Air. Which is funny because they're both Nick Cage movies and I love them for that reason. But yeah, so it's ahead of John Wick, it's ahead of Speed, it's ahead of Point Break, but it's still behind Die Hard, Born Identity, Rocky IV. Yeah. Um, it's a middle-of-the-road type of movie. It's great, it's super enjoyable, I love watching it, but I don't go to it often. Yeah. You know it, what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's in the canon. I mean, and that's what I mean is when I talk about, like, you know, for most people, like, I love, I have an irrational love for Point Break, but for most people... Point Break, Tombstone, Face Off, Con Air, The Rock, they're they are all in the mix together. Yeah. They're all kind of next to each other. Rocky IV, they, they all feel the same to people. Great era of yeah. action movies. So, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Um, let's get into we... our, yeah, let's get into our recast. Yeah. Master Recaster is back. Uh, you can tweet at us and decide who you think did a better recast. I'm Andrew. That's Ben. You know. So uh, when you decide who won, put our real names there. It'll be less confusing for everybody. We uh, we decided to recast Castro Troy and Sean Archer, obviously. Eve Archer, Pollux Troy, and I threw in Sasha Hassler just because... You love her? I love her. She's just <laughs> great. I think Alicia Vikander could play her. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't do that. Um, so who Gina do you... Gina Gershon. Gina Gershon. She, I, I feel like she should have done more. She should have. Her, yeah. I mean, her, her. She had like a couple really big ones. The at the time, the big member one is Showgirls. Showgirls. Yeah. She gets naked, and it's like that big controversial movie. She gets naked. That's all I saw. Yeah. Uh, so who did you cast for her? Ava Longoria. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it felt pretty accurate. That's pretty good. Yeah, she's. I. She can play like the troubled, you know, the troubled wife a little bit, or like the troubled girlfriend. Right. I. Uh, I went with Gal Gadot because I don't think her age matters. Her kid's like four. I love Gal Gadot. I know you do so much. I know you do. She's she, right up there for me. She's yeah. like she's like in, in she's she's right behind Diane Lane. You know, she's like <laughs> just right behind <laughs> Diane Lane. I bet she would love to hear that. I love Diane Lane, and you love Gal Gadot, I and I think both. she would do a good job at this. Yeah, I think yeah, I, Gal, Gal Gadot could definitely pull it off. Yeah. yeah uh, so for Pollux Troy, I went with Nicholas Holt. Okay, that's fair. I like I just someone like I mean Paul Dano would have been great too. So you went pretty young. I went younger. The whole yeah. the recast is like a little younger. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, I went Giovanni Ribisi because he I like him so much as the younger brother in Gone in 60 Seconds. Right. Uh, and I didn't really feel like when I've seen him in movies today that like he looks like he could be around the same age. Yeah, he could pull it off. Yeah. You know what? I'm changing mine, though. I, I want Paul Dano. I don't want... I don't want him anymore. I want Paul Dano. Yeah, I like Paul Dano more. Paul Dano would be good. He's such a good. He's so good at being like a little Weasley bitch. Yeah, I mean, Rabisi, I might be going a little old now, but the thing is, in the era that I was remember watching Rabisi, like he was so young, and it doesn't really matter for this role. He can be the older brother. He can be the younger brother. Really, it's just he has to take care of him. Yeah, you know, inept. Uh, Who'd you go with, Eve Archer? Eve Archer. I went with Diane Kruger. I went with Diane Lane. <laughs> did you really? I really did. <laughs> he wins Master of Caster. He's got Diane Lane in there. I love her. She's I great. Lo- I love Diane Lane and Diane Kruger for that matter. Yeah, yeah you went younger. I went a little yeah. older. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm really interested to hear what your your Caster Troy Sean yeah. Archer. Who's your combo? Uh, all right. So for Caster <clears throat> Troy, starting I, off. Yeah. So the mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage yeah. character. Um, I went with Oscar Isaacs. That's such a great idea. Yeah, you use him a lot, and uh, and I think it's really good. I had yeah. I was between like four or five different people, and I didn't really love any of them. Yeah, because um, I really love my Sean Archer. I think my Sean Archer is like the the winner on this. Really? Yeah. 
Do you want to go? Well, it's funny because I went with Oscar Isaacs and John Barenthal originally, but I yeah. just it didn't I didn't buy it. Okay. So what I ended up going with was the original Castro Troy part is played by Jeremy Renner. He's good at being evil and crazy. Yeah, and that's good. I like that. Yeah, yeah. All right, who's your Sean Archer? So he's such a good one. Who is it? I just love it so much. If he's listening. Oh God! Interception. <laughs> Our team's got the ball. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> imagine Cruz. He, imagine Cruz in the initial scene when he's like, when he walks in and she's like, CIA sent this over. And he's like, I didn't know they catered. And he's like, send it back. No, no. This is for Daniels. This is for Williams. Spinelli. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, Cruz is just so self-righteous and he's so intense and like, he would just sell the shit out of it. Yeah. And, then, and then when he changes over and he shows up in the cell and he's like, He's so oh, he'd be so good. It, imagine like Vincent from Collateral, but a little cornier and a little more crazy. It it's so funny because I actually originally, even before the Barenthal and the Isaacs thing, I had a thought. I was like, what if Tom Cruise just played both roles? Yeah, how sweet would that be? <laughs> so sweet, but I can't do that. Uh, I went with Mark Wahlberg. Mark what? Fuck, who cares? You're just so much better than mine this week. <laughs> I was like so proud of Wahlberg and Renner and them like they're juxtaposed, it, but it doesn't matter because it's crazy. You don't even need. You know what? Don't waste your time on Twitter. Do tweet at us about something else. Ben wins Master of Caster this week. Thank you. That was good. Thank you. God, it's the first time we've used him, and it, and it was like we've Perfect. said before he could play a role, right? But this was like it's like, and I even now in the age that he is now, it's like that's what that's what I want to see. Right, older Tom Cruise doing it is just dead on. Yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, so good. All right, so this is the part of the show where we break down the movie into categories and we have three categories we have totally legitimate totally ridiculous or ridiculously legitimate so totally legitimate is a movie like the fugitive you know something that's very believable it's real you don't really have to stretch your imagination for any of it and then totally ridiculous are the type of movies that we've used face off as an example for example this whole time many shows i think i might change I really think I might. You're going to make this the middle category. I think I'm going to make this ridiculously legitimate, which is the middle category. It's the pinnacle. It's like The Rock. It's Predator. It It's totally self-aware of what it's doing. It, it makes jokes when it wants to, but it's, it no, is no, funny no. when it's not supposed you, to be. You, you, like, you laugh at the jokes they make, but, right. you, also but you also laugh, laugh at the whole them. rest of the movie. But look at its reviews, man. Like, I don't, it's so I don't. highly reviewed. Like, How can you make it totally ridiculous? I mean, John Wick's totally ridiculous, and it has an incredibly high review. It's true. It's true. I go to, On this, like, to me, it's not even close. It's yeah. like, I can't think of many movies that are as ridiculous as I know. This. They change faces. Yeah. Like, this movie... Face off. The face off. Commando is totally ridiculous. Like True Lies, even True Lies is less ridiculous than this. Yeah, fine, it's totally ridiculous. Yeah, that's for me. Yeah. Do what you want. I'll put it totally ridiculous. Um, yeah. All right, man. Uh, so this next part, I'll actually gonna let you take the head on this one. This is very. Next week is a very, very exciting episode for us. We have a few changes, so we're gonna let you guys know about them. Um, yeah. So guys, this normally we would give you a poll on Twitter, and we would call this the pitch. But the thing is, this is an episode we've been planning for quite a while. Next week is. Amazing. It's we, amazing. There's a little movie we talk about here sometimes called Warrior. And uh, it's a movie directed by Gavin O'Connor, written by, written by Anthony Tambakis, starring Joel Edgerton and Tom Hardy about an MMA rivalry between two brothers and their alcoholic father so fighting good. in Sparta to see who's the toughest man on the planet. Million dollar cash prize, win it takes all. This is the movie, I, despite the fact that we talk about The Rock, Point Break, Con Air, these movies that we love, yeah. there is no movie Andrew and I have watched together more times, talked about more 
Or, like, in a lot of ways, I feel like I love as much as Warrior. I There's, honestly, for me now, out of every movie on our entire list, if I had to pick one movie to yeah. watch, it'd be Warrior. It's going to be very, over Gladiator, which I love. It will be very interesting to see where Warrior makes it on the list. It's, it's a criminally underappreciated movie. Oh, my gosh. Remarkable performances and just... Just the most exciting sports movie you could think of. It makes you feel the way that the old Rockies made you feel when you watched them. Like, you feel, like, uplifted. Like, you're, oh, it's such a feel-good movie. I you feel tear great up at, at the end. end every time. Every time. I get so excited. I mean, we, anyway, the point is, we have Gavin O'Connor, director of the film, and Anthony Tabakis, the writer of the film, coming in studio with us next week for Here. a full episode about the show. About the episode about the movie. So um, we're going to try to come up with, with a lot of interesting questions. The format of the show might be a little different next week. Yes, it will um, be. It's going to probably run a little bit more through the lens of an interview because we want to try to get as many interesting answers and ask them as many questions as we can. We're going to rely on you guys to provide a lot of those questions. Yeah. So what we don't want things uh, – we don't want just like – don't give us throwaway questions. Really, if you want it, like if you really have a thoughtful question you want to know, please tweet at us. Mm-hmm. Let us know because we will get it. We will get as many in there as we possibly can. Yeah, tweet um, at AMA Podcast. We're going to do a live like Q and A type thing for some people, maybe in live chat, but we'll probably pull most of the questions from what's on Twitter. Yeah, anything in the live chat that's like really, really wonderful, we'll use. Um, I think we should throw out a specific hashtag that we'll be able to search next week in case we miss anything. So obviously. Tweet at us, tag the uh, tag the podcast, but use uh, use hashtag AMA Warrior. That's exactly what I was going to say. Hashtag AMA Warrior for any question, any comment on that particular episode. Um, follow the podcast at AMA Podcast at Ben Bateman Media at Andrew Guy, and uh, and let us know throughout the week. You know, I'll be tweeting and reminding people, trying to get everybody hyped up for it, and uh, and we are just we're so excited elated. for it. Yeah, um, we're also going to be shooting at a different time next week. Yeah, so it's a live 11 a.m. show next week. Pacific um, Standard Time. Yeah, so this is this show is 3 p.m. Pacific Standard in case anybody's overseas and you're trying to wonder exactly. So uh, 11 a.m. is is the time, and that's we just had to do it that way. So it will obviously go up. We probably, more than likely, will do a Warrior Watch Along at some point as well. Yes. Because we're not going to get to cover as many of the normal episode things as we mm-hmm. otherwise would. But we really want that to be an actual episode of the show. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, yeah, maybe we'll even try to work that out, you know, right around the same time so we can knock them both out. But uh, I can't wait. God, I'm so excited, it's, man. It's a really exciting It's been one. a long time coming, and oh, this is just, this is the best. So that is it. That is it for us today. That's it for Face Off. Get ready for Warrior. Thank you guys so much for watching. One more time, you can find me at Andrew Guy. At Ben Bateman Media. We'll see you guys next week. Take care. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals. 